The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue our series on the spiritual armor provided in Ephesians chapter 6, we are now come upon the helmet of salvation. We've seen that the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the gospel are extremely important, as is the shield of faith. But it's also important how we protect our heads. The Roman soldier's helmet protected the part of his body that directs all the rest of the body, that is, the mind. We need to keep our minds protected in this world, and the helmet of salvation will do that. We're going to see that this helmet of salvation is not just talking about the eternal salvation that we possess as regenerated children of God, but it's the hope of salvation that we are going to be delivered from this present evil world. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at this helmet of the hope of salvation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. And we're going to go back to the 10th verse and begin reading there. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about the helmet of salvation. And we've dealt with all these other items of armor up to this point. And today, we want to look at this fifth item of armor, which is the helmet of salvation. And before we get started, I want, to, I want to share something that I ran across in my studies this week that I thought was particularly appropriate for us to think about this morning. There was a woman named Florence Chadwick who was born in 1913. She was a long-distance swimmer. She swam the English Channel twice when she was in her 30s, and in 1952, on July 4th, she decided that she was going to swim the Catalina Channel, the island, the channel between the coast of California and the island of Catalina. The morning that she got ready to start, the fog was so dense that she couldn't even see the support boats that were following her to keep the sharks away. And after about 15 hours in the, in the water, Florence began to doubt her ability to complete this swim. Her mother and her coach and some others that were there just kept encouraging her. They, they told her, go on, don't stop, don't stop here. But after 15 hours and 55 minutes, she just couldn't go any farther. And she asked that they take her out of the water with no, nothing but fog in her vision. Now, the problem was this, is that when they finally got her on the boat and they began to head toward the shore, she realized they were only about half a mile from the shore, only about half a mile. And she said this, she said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. See, she had the capability. She didn't, it wasn't a matter of, the ability to continue the, the swim. It wasn't a problem with her preparation. It wasn't a problem with the clothes she had on. She just gave up because she lost hope. The fog around her caused her to despair of ever reaching the shore. Well, today's item of armor is the helmet of salvation. And we're going to see that what that's talking about is the hope of salvation. And I want to ask you this morning, are you lost in the fog? Are you lost in the fog? I find myself sometimes lost in the fog. The phrase fog of war 
is a phrase that encapsulates an idea that was originally put forth by a man named Karl von Clausewitz. He was a Prussian military strategist from 1780. He lived from 1780 to about 1831. And he said, war is the realm of uncertainty. Three quarters of the factors on which action in war is based are wrapped in a fog of greater or lesser uncertainty. And from that, we get this idea of the fog of war. And today, that idea refers to the uncertainty in, in, experienced in a war by those soldiers who are participating in the military operations. And, and the idea is that it, it encapsulates all aspects of the military operation, including one's own capability, their adversary's capabilities, and the adversary's intents during an engagement or a campaign. The fog of war. Are you lost in the fog? You know, we've been talking about this, that we are in a war. We're in a battle. It's not a game that we're in. It's a spiritual battle. And especially our teachers nowadays, and some of you that are still in college nowadays, and some of you that are teaching in college, you are on the front lines of the battle. Because we're living in a world where we have enemies. Remember our trinity of enemies? The world, the flesh, and the devil, they're out to get us. And it is a war, as the song says, it's a battlefield, son, not a recreation room. <laughs> it's not a game, it is a war. And God has given us some armor that we can put on that will help us in this battle. We've looked at the girdle of truth that binds the rest of the armor together. We've looked at the breastplate of righteousness, which is our spiritual walk with God, our, our sanctification, our holiness in practice. We've looked at our footwear, the gospel boots, and we're seeing that we need to have the right gospel, the right boots on. We've looked at the shield of our faith, wherewith we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And now we're talking about the helmet of salvation. We do not need to get lost in the fog of the spiritual battle today. In fact, today's item of armor protects our minds from that fog of despair that, that Florence Chadwick ended up in because she couldn't see the shore. And this hope gives us assurance. So I want to talk about it this morning. And I want to talk about what hope is, okay? The helmet of hope. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 8, we are given a little more information about this helmet of salvation. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So this helmet of salvation that he's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6 is the helmet of the hope of salvation. The word hope appears 130 times in 121 verses in the entire scripture, 61 times in 53 verses in the New Testament alone. I think hope must be important. It must be something we need. And you see, notice as we, let's, let's read a little bit more here in verse 9. He says, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So this hope of salvation that we're talking about is not... Now certainly, let me stop here and say this. Certainly, you understand that he's talking to children of God who already possess eternal salvation. 
He's not talking to the world out there that the reprobate, the ones who are unregenerate and who uh, have no hope of salvation. He is talking to those who have been born again, those who are already in possession of the eternal salvation that we have in Christ. But he's saying to us in our daily walk here, we need to remember that, first of all, but primarily what I believe this hope of salvation is, is not primarily focused on the past and what God did before the foundation of the world in choosing a people to be saved by Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross and not even actually Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which put away the sins of all of his people. But he's talking about here primarily the hope of the future return of Christ in our ultimate deliverance from this present evil world. Let me, let me, let's define hope a little bit. Let's talk about hope because sometimes primitive Baptists, Brother Mackey, have gotten mixed up on what hope is in the past. And certainly the world is mixed up on it. You know, back, just to give you a good example, <laughs> Those of us that were University of Alabama fans, we hoped that Alabama could get into the, the four-team playoff series, even with two losses this year. You know, I hoped that, but I didn't have much expectation that that would happen. <laughs> I didn't have much. It was not much more than a wish. But see, hope is something different. Let's talk about, first of all, what it's not. Hope is not some kind of self-focused confidence in yourself you know you hear this all the time in the world out in the religious world they'll ask this question do you know that you know that you know that you're saved <laughs> and what they mean by that is have you done whatever it is that's necessary for you to obtain eternal redemption and we understand from the scriptures that there's nothing we can do that would ever be sufficient to obtain that in fact, if it had been a, if it had been a law given, Paul says, whereby we could, we could be justified, then righteousness would have come by the law. But we know that Christ had to come and fulfill the law. Christ had to come and put away the sins of his people because we could not do it ourselves. It's not what we know that we have done. You see, usually when people ask that, they're pointing you to something you did, some decision you made. That kind of hope doesn't help me out at all. Because, see, I know what kind of decisions I made yesterday. I know that I have, listen, I have great resolve sometimes to do the right thing. I do. I, have, I really have good intentions, y'all. I really do. I really want to do the right thing. I heard Brother Mike Ivey get up here one time and talk about when he was a little boy. He said he didn't usually get in trouble for actively doing something wrong. He said, I just forgot to do right. <laughs> you ever find yourself there? I, I've been there many times where I set out maybe in the morning. I say, I'm going to do better today than I did yesterday. And by mid-morning, I've already forgotten. And some mean thought or sinful lust or something else has come across my mind and maybe I've even acted out on something that I shouldn't have but you see I know my intentions and I know my actions and none of them are ever pure you see because when Adam ate of the ate of the fruit in the garden he didn't just make us sick and in need of a doctor he made us dead in need of life and a savior you see man is not just sick Man is dead in trespasses and in sins. And my hope is not going to be based upon anything that I know and experience here. Because everything I know and experience here is corrupted and tainted by sin. My hope cannot be based upon anything I've done or not done here. 
You know, some of the worst sins I've ever committed are sins of omission. When I didn't stop to help somebody when I should have. Brother Buddy kids around about that time when I was going, I was going to church meeting. I was running late. I didn't have time to stop and help him on the side of the road. He, was, he, had, a, he had a flat tire. <laughs> I didn't have time to help him, Brother Mackey, because I was late for church. <laughs> Boy, I'd have fit right in with those Levites and priests on the road there the, uh, where the Good Samaritans did stop, wouldn't I? <laughs> that was just, I didn't do anything to harm him, but I sure didn't help him. Some of the worst sins I commit are sins of omission. You know, some people tell you that your hope is based on how well you persevere here in faith and good works. Boy, I hope that's not the case. I struggle every day with persevering. Every day, at the end of the day, when I evaluate my day, I look back and think, man, I just have to hang my head in shame in front of God. My hope cannot be based upon how well I persevere here. But see, our hope is based upon the promises in the Word of God, upon Jesus' finished work on the cross. That's what we can base our hope upon. All this idea of you got to know that you did everything. You know, I've known of people on their deathbeds. Just recently I heard of someone on their deathbed who called for the preacher to come just to make sure they'd done everything that they needed to do to make sure their eternal salvation was secure. Folks, I want to tell you, you'll never do enough to make sure that your eternal salvation is secure. But praise God, he did all that was necessary to secure it for you. <laughs> And that's where our hope is, see? Our hope is not some self-centered overconfidence in ourselves. But now look, here's where I said earlier the primitive Baptists have gotten it wrong sometimes in the past. They've gone over, you know, there's a ditch on both sides of the road, remember that. You know, sometimes in order to counter the Armenian ditch on the right side of the road, we sometimes want to go all the way to the other side of the road into that ditch. <laughs> so hope is also not some self-conscious degradation of yourself, of Putting yourself down, you see. I mean, we know how depraved we are. I hope you do. I'm, I'm a totally depraved sinner. But sometimes we've gotten into the ditch in the past on hope. And we think about a little hope. It's just a little fleeting hope. It's just a little wispy wish. Oh, I can't, I have no certainty. I have no assurance of eternal salvation. I have no, nothing but just a little hope over here. Brother Sonny Piles, who was a giant among us uh, primitive Baptist preachers, he made this statement one time from the pulpit. He said, if I didn't have some idea that I'm one of God's elect children, i got no business in the pulpit. <laughs> you think about it. If all I can do is get up here and say, I don't have any idea whether I'm a child of God or not, you wouldn't need to keep listening to me because... You see, that, that idea is a reaction to this idea that you can know that you know that you know based upon what you've done. See, hope is not some little wish. It's not some fanciful thought in your mind. Hope is based upon knowledge. John wrote his, his first epistle, he says, over there in 1 John 5, 13. He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, there are some things that we can know. Now listen, if you're talking about knowledge in the sense of you never doubt and you're always certain and you're overly confident and self-confident in what you've done or are just boastful and bragging then you got the wrong idea of, hope, of knowledge there as well but you see hope is better than knowledge because hope is based upon our knowledge of the word of God Job said back over there he said I know that my redeemer liveth 
See, that's what my hope is based upon. That's why I say I have hope, because I know my Redeemer lives. I know what the Word of God has told me. And ultimately, we can only really know by having hope. You know, you weren't there. I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. You didn't see it. We're taking the word of some eyewitnesses here that we believe were inspired by God to write it. And you see, that's my hope. That's my hope. And it's not some fanciful wish. Listen, the, the hope that I have saves me. Look back over here. And I mean, when I say saves, I mean in a timely sense, here and now. Look back over to Romans chapter 8. See, hope is a Christ-centered biblical assurance in someone other than yourself. That's what hope is. It is a confident expectation. It's not some kind of fanciful wish. You know, I hope I win the lottery. Well, that's a fanciful wish. But see, I hope in Christ. That's something more solid. Look at back over in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 20. He says, for the creature, that's that creation, that new birth that's been created within us, that new creature within us. The creature was made subject to vanity. Vanity is just emptiness. Not willingly. In other words, our, our new birth wasn't by our will. It was, it was by the sovereign act of God. But by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. See, there's something in me that has hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There's our hope, you see. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. We see what's going on around us. You see it every day. I experience it every day. I see what's going on even inside me. The battle in Romans chapter 7 there that Paul talks about where he tries to do right, but he can't do right. He does the thing that's wrong all the time. He struggles with the sin curse within him and the sin curse around him. He said, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. It's a tough life. Life is hard, beloved. Life is not easy. Don't let, don't let these preachers tell you to name it and claim it. Beloved, it's not, it doesn't work that way. I've been listening to the, some of the uh, word of faith stuff that's out there, the, 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 the prosperity gospel. Beloved, if we want you to join the church. I do. I would, I would give anything if we had every one of God's children in this area to join this church. But I'm not going to promise you all your troubles are going to be over when you join the church. That's in fact, in a real sense, some of your troubles are just going to be beginning. The devil doesn't care what you're doing when you're out there not serving the Lord. <laughs> But when you're coming to church and you're laboring in the kingdom of God, the devil, the devil gets against you. Notice he says, we groan within ourselves, but here's something that gives us hope. Waiting for the adoption. To it, the redemption of our bodies. Whenever you see, you know, back over in Ephesians chapter 1, talks about an adoption. He says in verse 4, just we'll begin there, Ephesians 1, 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. That kind of sounds like an adoption the way we do it nowadays, isn't it? The parents go and they choose one, a child from an orphanage or from some other place. And then they go through whatever's necessary legally to make that child their own. That's what 
God did before the foundation of the world. He chose His people. He sent His Son in time to do everything legally that was necessary to make those children His own. But what do they do? Do they leave the child in the orphanage? Do they leave the child over? Did the parents leave the child over there? The adoption's not complete until the child is brought home to be with those parents. Beloved, our adoption, as complete as it is in the mind and purpose of God, is not complete in our experience yet because one day God our Father is coming back to take us home. And then our adoption will be complete. <laughs> in that glory. And see, that's, he says, the adoption, we are predestinated unto the adoption of children okay uh, by jesus christ to himself that's what he's talking about back over here in romans chapter 8 he says we are waiting for the adoption in other words we're waiting for the he says to wit the redemption of our bodies that's when the adoption will be complete and we'll be taken home to be with him even those who have died who are there in spirit now. When you die, your body goes into the ground. Your spirit goes home to be with the Lord. But even those are not, the adoption is not complete for them yet. Because the redemption of those bodies out here in the grave is going to happen one day. He's going to come back and he's going to take us home to be with him in a bodily form. And our bodies will be translated, be transformed into something perfect. And notice what he says then about this back in Romans 8. Verse 24, for we are saved by hope. <laughs> I want to tell you, beloved, what I'm preaching to you about this morning will save you. Now, I'm not talking about eternal salvation. God, Christ did that on the cross. But remember, in the Word of God, there's more than one type of salvation taught. There's eternal salvation that's solely and holy of God, but there's timely salvation, temporal deliverance here, deliverances that we need every day. I need to be saved every day. When someone asks you, are you saved? You need to ask them, saved from what? <laughs> Are you saved from the condemnation of sin? Amen. I've been saved from the condemnation of sin by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But I need to be delivered from the bondage of sin here and now. Sometimes I come under the bondage of my work life. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.